I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. Family, oh family, welcome back. And if you're new, welcome to you. Hey, boo. So I'm so excited about today's guest because I get to do something that I don't get to do. And I get to be like, yes, chef. (laughs) Because today's guest is an incredibly talented chef who went to JWU in Charlotte. So, you know, she got to be among the best to do what she does. But I have Tanae Congo with us, y'all. And I am so excited for her to just share her story. I mean, not only is she a chef, she's from Delaware. And I'm like, there's Black people there. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to get So, there are just some things here that I'm like, I cannot wait to just dig into this. So, you know, with that in mind, Tanae, hello and welcome. Like, how are you? Hi, everyone. I am good. I am living, living the dream, I guess you could say. Thank you for Ooh, having me. Say that again. You living a what? Living a dream. Everybody can't say that. And I love to hear that you are living a dream because you took the leap not too long ago to live that dream, right? Yes. My move to Houston in July. So it's been... August, September, October, November, December, January, just over seven months. Wow. So yeah, it is It is different to say wow. the least. Well, congrats for that because I know it takes a lot of courage to do something like that, to just pick it up and step out on faith. And especially when you just don't know what you're doing or you're not sure how it's going to work out. So that's really bold. But I mean, we've already started talking. Can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and more about you know what you do and what you plan to do? Of course. So for everybody who doesn't know me, my name is Tanae Congo. I am at Chef Tanae on Instagram. That's T-E-N-E-E. I am originally from Wilmington, Delaware, East Coast, born and raised. I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina in 2012 to pursue my dream of being a chef and to really just break the industry mold of it being a white male dominated field and really just try to do different things within the industry to start getting my name out there. And just a couple months ago, I decided to move to Houston because I felt like I would be more appreciated as a Black woman chef and be taken a little bit more serious than I was in Charlotte. So now I am here now. I am just starting my new catering business. I just launched a new cookbook. And yeah, that that's that's my journey right now. I mean, we're not going to just, you know, just ease on by the catering business and the cookbook. Let's talk about that. <laughs> because, And then being a Black woman, feeling more appreciated in Houston. Let's. I want to talk about that just for a quick, you know, second. What made you feel unappreciated where you were? And are you finding what you were looking for in Houston right now? So I felt like in Charlotte, a lot of it, first of all, North Carolina is a red state. So Don't do us too bad now. You know, I'm from Charlotte. Don't do it too bad. No, but you're right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I love Charlotte, but because so many people are starting to realize that it's like a mini Atlanta almost, 
people are starting to move there and the price of living is going up and the wages are staying the same or going down. So mm-hmm. I just felt like I couldn't get what I needed to get out of the city anymore. Mm. Also, a lot of the students that go to Johnson & Wales, they don't do the greatest after they graduate and they don't really leave a good taste in people's mouths. So I would come in and be like, hey, listen, I'm here to work. I'm here to, you know, show you guys what I really am about because I, I really believe in myself and my craft. And they it would be really hard to kind of get my foot in the door because of everybody before me. So I felt like I wasn't being given the opportunity and given the fair chance that a lot of others have been given. That's interesting that you say that they weren't doing so well, though, because JWU has a really great reputation. I know they put out some great folks. So what was it that even made you want to stay with the program or even know that you like you had the juice to be able to go out there and do it? I don't know. I just so in Charlotte, I would always have to kind of not beg, but like really, really go out of my way to make people want to hire me because of other students coming in and not showing up to work on time or not doing really what their whole job expectancy was. So I feel like in Houston, I say that I'm a chef. They already look at me like I have a little bit more, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit more upper echelon than a lot of people. And because the Houston scene, the food scene is becoming so large, it's a little bit easier to break into, you know, that field versus in Charlotte. It's big there. Food is already big and a lot of people kind of go with what they know. Absolutely. I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, being that it's not an industry that I'm in, I'm not always aware of some of the challenges and difficulties that may be present because people talk about like entrepreneurship similar to what we're talking about even now, but what industry you're in really plays a role in how your business may or may not thrive. So I'm glad that you brought that up. But even thinking about, you know, while we're talking about it, what led you to even want to take the leap and start your own thing? And like I said, even get to a cookbook because cookbook ain't easy to put together because I don't be knowing what I'm doing now. <laughs> I just be like, how much of what? I don't know. Just tastes good. As people say, you know, that joke until the ancestors say stop. So it just, it's like that. Exactly. And my ancestors stay stop real soon because I, I don't be seasoning my food. I'm, I'm special, but don't judge me. And it's funny that you say that because the name of my cookbook is, but is it seasoned? Oh, <laughs> stop playing. <laughs> oh wow. my goodness. Really? Oh, so what led you to do that? That is so cool. So when I graduated Johnson & Wales, I worked a whole bunch of different odd and in jobs. I worked at CPI Security, where I was a call center rep. I worked as a waitress. I worked as a hostess. I worked as a wine connoisseur. So I did mm. a little bit of everything. And then in 2018, I applied as a joke to Johnson & Wales, where I graduated as a traveling food demonstrator. And mm-hmm. luckily, I got the job. I, I still, to this day, am so pleased with myself because I just applied because I wanted something different. So working in that position, I traveled about 75% of the year. I traveled all over Mm -hmm. Georgia, North Carolina, a little bit of South Carolina. And I went to different high schools and I was able to kind of talk to them about my experiences with food, my upbringing, you know, what they should be prepared for as college. And a lot of the time I went to schools where they could barely afford books where Hmm. they didn't have kitchens, where I would have to bring in a majority of the equipment. And I also got to cook for them at the end of my presentation. And I started to see how they were so interested about simple, simple ingredients being put together and making something that they can make at home. Because a lot of the students were like, oh, I eat oodles and noodles, or I eat Kraft mac and cheese all the time, or I eat frozen dinners. And I was like that at one point too in my childhood. So I just, you know, showed them my most popular recipe to do was my Alfredo. And I'm showed 
showed him how to make Alfredo from scratch. I'm like, it takes me 20 minutes to do this and it tastes better than anything you'll ever find in the jar. So after mm. seeing that, the way they kind of just got excited about it and Obey is my favorite spice ever. For anybody that's not familiar with Obey, get you some. It's like a Cajun style seasoning and a lot of the students didn't know anything about it. So simple things of like adding different flavors they were really, really excited for it. So after seeing that and knowing that, you know, teachers don't get paid that much, I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to put together a cookbook where it, it's basically like a 20 for 20. So it's 20 recipes that can be made under $20. So it's like wow. a bit friendly, but it's also where you are able to enjoy simple things. Like I have a risotto recipe that you can make for less than $20, but it tastes like it's $30, $40, $50. So mm. you like are, are balling on a budget. And that's my favorite thing to kind of talk about because that's how I feel like I grew up. Yeah, I just want it. I'm just going to go ahead and get me a couple copies. And so if you're listening to this, I'm going to see if we're going to get you a copy of it too. Not everybody. It's going to be a few folks because that's big, especially thinking about being a first gen college grad coming out of school, wanting to eat well, eat good, you know, mm-hmm. enjoy food, but maybe having to think about what your budget looks like and being able to achieve those things and not have to, like you said, settle for just the noodles. Now, the ramen, I ain't knocking them because, you know, they, they didn't come up in all kind of ways. Listen, <laughs> when I saw the light and realized how seasoned it was, I had to fall back because I don't want them blood pressure problems. Yeah. But for what it's worth, though, you know, hot dogs in them back in the day, beef in them back in the day, now people to make, you know, the ramen noodles like, what is it, pho? Yeah. And so throwing the egg and the shrimp. <laughs> Maybe it's creativity. And I think the most classic was it, was it the cheese? Put the cheese on top and melt it. But yes. you know, everybody's yeah. doing it. I'm like, I cannot. I can't. I just can't. Really? Do it. I tried it once. Not not too I'm not a big cheese person unless it's like an Alfredo. So when you were talking about Alfredo and Risotto, you were talking my love languages. <laughs> that barbecue hamburgers, fried chicken. See, this is why I'm glad I gotta talk to you, Chef, because I told you I was gonna do it. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, it's just, you know, food, you understand culture through food as well. Right. And I think this even goes back to some of the historic, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but black people tend to season a food or people of color do in general and so there is sometimes that joke and I don't I mean I'm black so I half thought it was funny I'm just being honest that not everybody seasons their food so like you can tell who made the food by how it's seasoned and how if it's raisins in it (laughs) (laughs) I can't stand you I can't stand you that's not right them raisins would be good in that chicken salad though and them cranberries so that's how you know I'm different see I'll be the one I'll be the one who who you be like did somebody no it was Eve Eve did that (laughs) Um, so, so, hey, look, hey, just give me some space, okay? I grew up eating really good, but I didn't cook a lot. And the things I did learn how to cook, it was more like, I mean, if you count tuna salad, that ain't really cooking, <laughs> I know, whatever. But spaghetti, but I can I can fry. Maybe I can fry. Ask somebody about me. All and that's right. the one thing a lot of Black people can do. If anything, they gonna fry. <laughs> they gonna fry. Yeah, it's not all. Fry the okra, fry the chicken, fry the corn. It's gonna be, but you know, it'd be good though. But no, that is so great. hilarious. I'm absolutely enjoying this. So just even thinking about this entrepreneur venture being new for you as well, in terms of like you just really stepping out on faith, what have you found to be most challenging at this point? And then what have you also found to be extremely rewarding? I think the most challenging part is still having to work a regular like nine to five job Mm -hmm. because I go in knowing that I have all of these ideas 
to be my own self and to be my own brand, but to keep myself afloat, you kind of got to juggle both until you really are comfortable enough to step out completely. And with my fiance also being a business owner, her business is not always on the up and up or on the down. So like you can't get too comfortable sometimes. And I think that that has been the most challenging of like just trying to wait until I feel, okay, I can really do this by myself and not have to, you know, put all of this effort towards someone else's dream. That is probably the most challenging part of it all. But the most rewarding is like working hard and then seeing simple people like, oh, I got your book, you know, here's a picture, you know, it didn't come out the best this time, but I'm excited to like keep working at it. Like to me, it makes up for the nights that I'm up till two or three in the morning perfecting things or writing down ideas or, you know, sleeping two or three hours because I need to make sure things are perfect. So it, you know, it's a give or take type of thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, if I can go back and do it all over again, I just wish I would have started sooner. I wish I would have had a concept of entrepreneurship sooner. I mean, it was funny. How don't you know what an entrepreneur is? Well, I heard back then, you know, business owner, small business owner. Right. But I never really considered like going to establishments. And I've said this probably several shows now. I'm like, okay, Eve. But really, it's the idea that I would go into a business, but I never thought, who owns this? Who's responsible for all of this? It was more like, I'm in here for what I'm in here for. Especially you go somewhere like Target. To me, I never thought, who owns Target? Who's who's responsible? It's just an idea of I was a consumer. And so the flip side of it is even understanding small business, medium business, large business, corporations. It's just so much. But right. I only focus on like education, you know, for a very long time. So I could tell you a lot about education and higher education. It's my field is what I love. And I didn't really give again a lot of thought to all the other things and functions. And so anytime I did think about somebody being a business owner, though, I considered people who had luxury only. So people who were driving around in Mercedes Benz, Rolls Royce, exactly. all that. And so when somebody who may have had a Toyota Camry, no shade to Toyota Camry, because I ain't even got one. <laughs> but when they would have a Toyota Camry, they're like, oh, I'm a business owner. It's like, you what? Because it wasn't what I would think because of also what I was made to believe about business owners. And then I think if I did have a concept about a business owner, it was something like, like a cleaning business or right. like a, a therapist or something. So beyond that, it's also funny to think about how I've evolved in my thinking. So I love that you even mentioned having a partner, you know, your fiance who's in it too because of that support and the mutual understanding and the conversation y'all are able to have. I'm fortunate to have a partner who is extremely supportive of everything. And, you know, though he may not always know what the heck I'm talking about, he right. still listens. Exactly. So even just having somebody who will listen to me like, all right, well, get back on it or this your thing, you know, do what you do. And it's like, oh, this is so encouraging. So shout out to y'all for being both entrepreneurs, which I know he's headed in that direction as well, eventually. So it's just a lot of learning and figuring it all out. But it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. And it's like, if I can do it all again. So yeah, I'm not the business owner with the bins yet, but I'm on my way. But I don't even think I want a bins though. I want a Cadillac. I'm old school. Yeah, I I'm like Southern black. You said you want something simple, something like what? Like what? I don't know. Ah. Uh. I don't. I want like an Audi or something, like something super, super nice, blacked out tinted windows, nice Ooh. interior, just simple. Oh, you my kind of people. I like like black on black on. Yes, I do dream to have a Tahoe as well because we definitely got to have a truck. And I just want a blacked out Tahoe. And the luxury car for me is the Cadillac. But I grew up with that. You know, I think even historically, black people in Cadillac was a thing. But my grandfather was a Chevy man so he instilled Chevy into me and I know 
that Chevy GMC is Cadillac come from GMC. So yeah. even even with that, and it's nice too. Yeah, they real people be sleeping on them, and then it's American. But I don't have anything against you know foreign cars, but it's just something about the legacy. And I see a black lack and I'm like, ooh, you know, but the black Tahoe, that's that's gonna be the next beauty. But we didn't got on cars, we didn't talk about season food. <laughs> I love this. Tonight, where have you been? I, you didn't even come through Charlotte when I was there. How dare you? I know, that's crazy. We probably passed each other and didn't even know. You know. And it's all good though, because it's meant, I mean, we're here now, my best friend is in Houston as well. So I'll be out there, you know, yes, I'm gonna come through Charlotte. have to may have to cater dinner party for us or something. See, this is how this oh. works. I love this, I love this. So, yeah, so just even thinking about, you know, all the things you have said as well, because you've shared so much. What have been some of the major life lessons that you have taken from the time you left JWU to where you are now that you just feel like we're just like, dang, this really happened. I wish somebody would have told me about this. I feel like college in general as a whole was something that I feel like I wish I would have kind of been prepared for a little better. Not saying that I didn't do well in school because I graduated in the top of my class. I'm pretty sure in the top 10 of my whole graduating class. Ooh, oh, she real bad. Yeah, like I, I did really good in school, but I feel like I I wasn't prepared for the triumphs you have to go through, for the super mm. good highs and the super bad lows, especially mm. away from home. And I didn't know anybody in North Carolina when I moved there. I kind of just, you know, stepped out on faith and hope that it went well. So I think that not having anyone in my family that attended college before I went, because I had a cousin and she went at the same time, but she kind of dropped off the face of the earth when she left. I was kind of alone. I had questions about taxes. I had questions about refunds. I had questions about, you know, paying for certain books and things like that, that I didn't really have anybody to answer those questions. So I feel like maybe that would have been the one thing taken away that I probably would have did even graduating early I could have graduated a year early and saved some money on student loans but I wasn't in a headspace to be able to even ask those questions and there was nobody there to answer that mm, I got you on that I'm gonna tell you though it's interesting for you to not know people and yet you keep moving <laughs> like you keep taking this leap of faith yeah. like you bold out here I did it once and that was when I went to Mississippi and I would say that that was that was some of the best time of my life, but best times of my life because I met such amazing people mm-hmm. who have continued to be near and dear to me. And I learned so much about myself and I met the love of my life there. And it opened me up to who I was supposed to be as a person, being in a place where you've got to figure it out totally on your own. Exactly. And you don't have that safety net to fall back on and you can't drive an hour to get to the house. <laughs> you know, exactly. like, oh, I need help. It's kind of like, if you need help, you SOL You don't <laughs> figure that thing out. But you know, and I got to see the entire Deep South, which I was fascinated by because of how differently Florida is from Alabama, from Arkansas, even. Completely different. It's yeah, yeah, different worlds. And then just how the coastlines are different across the bottom, you know, from Mississippi's coast to Alabama's. Alabama has one of the like most beautiful beaches, I think, on that in that area for like the South, right? I mean, not compared to Florida, that's what I'm saying, too, not compared to Florida, but Alabama, mm-hmm. um, what is that? Orange, Orange Beach or something like that, I yes, believe it is. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, it's beautiful. And so I went down for, I think, a week and I saw my husband and I, who was then my boyfriend, we was kicking it though. And um, <laughs> it was just really like a great experience to have. And that if I had not lived down there, I would not have known about it because I would only have thought Florida or some island to get this, you know, beauty. And we got to see dolphins. Yeah, we got to see dolphins in Alabama. Like what? So 
Yeah, but I love that, you know, you've been that risk taker. It says a lot about you and even more so, I believe it's why you are going to be extremely successful in your business because you're willing to step outside of the box and really have faith. And that faith is a really big part of being successful as an entrepreneur. So I'm here with it. Definitely here with it. So I guess on the flip side, what are you doing, though, to invest in yourself, you know, personally and continue to grow just, you know, as as a whole? Was there anything special or something that we can pick up on from you? Um, I don't know. I, I guess my one thing that I will definitely recommend, especially to the black community, to everybody, is therapy. Mm. That is something that I feel like growing up, it was a taboo word. If somebody said they was in therapy, oh, oh, they must be crazy or something must be wrong. A lot of people I see are damaged, not in a bad way, but just we've dealt with things. Everybody goes through things, whether it's bullying, whether it's, you know, having a bad breakup, friendships. We all go through things in life. And I don't think people realize how easily it can be flipped into a positive instead of walking around with this negative on your shoulder. So Mm. once I realized that therapy was an option for me and I started to go, it has changed my life completely. And I started going, I'll be 27 next weekend. I started going after I turned 25 and I've been with the same therapist. She's in North Carolina and we just do our little Skype calls and it has made me a better person mentally, emotionally, physically, because I'm yes. able to have someone else to bounce an idea off of that maybe my friend wouldn't understand or my partner wouldn't understand or my mom wouldn't understand. So just having that little bit of a safety net to start to trust myself and my gut a little bit more, that is one thing I, I will never regret doing. And I think that everybody should go. Men, women, black, white, orange, you gotta go. Absolutely. I um have been going, I've been in therapy again since maybe like October-ish. Yeah, October-ish. And I almost wanted to fight myself that I had not gone back sooner. I'm an advocate of therapy. I've actually been in therapy for a very long time just because of different life events. Mm -hmm. But I've always believed in in therapy and one's ability to be able to help a person through adverse situations. Like, I can be resilient. I can be tough. I can be strong. I can do that. But what makes a difference at the end of the day is you having the academic and the practical background and the experience to give me tools and resources to navigate some of these difficult things. Exactly. Trying to do it by myself never works or I can do it by myself, but I also don't know if I'm making progress sometime because I don't have a way of measuring it or bringing stuff back up to like point out specific things that have been done well or not. So I'm all for the therapist and I'm just going to head, you know, shameless to say my therapist is one of the best that I have ever had. And I wish I would have known her sooner, but everything happens for a reason because she just started her practice, you know, in midst of COVID as well. And just for what it's worth, though, I didn't even realize the value of having a black woman therapist. Let me say that, oh, too, yeah. because there's something about being able to be in a, in a meeting and be like, sis, and exactly. she gets it or be like, yo, they got me messed up yep. and for them to understand it or to not really take you just being stressed out for depression or you dealing with a heavy burden as a as a black female. Yeah, so it changes the whole game, changes the whole game. So yeah, so shout out to that. Shout out to all the therapists out there for the work that you do to continue to help us as a people heal and to find our way. And again, today, I'm glad you brought that up because it's just, again, if it's that one thing that therapy has helped me in my personal life, it's helped me in my business, it's helped yep. me in all my relationships. And I'm just like, 
what a relief and a breath of fresh air that even I'm like, all right, that's cool. I'm gonna talk to my therapist on Wednesday. And <laughs> it's good, it's done. So I love that. And shout out to the therapists who were able to pivot in the midst of COVID, you know, as well, because before how we're doing this virtual thing now wasn't much of a possibility. Exactly. And now I don't have to leave my house. And I'm like, thank you. Exactly. <laughs> I leave my house. So I'm with it. I'm with it. Well, we are at the point of the conversation that, you know, I know we have to get to. But it makes me sad, especially when I'm having a great, great conversation like this one, because you you the whole homie today, you the whole homie. But what I want to know from you, all things considered, if there was or is a piece of advice or some words of wisdom that you can leave us with, what would that be? My words of advice and what I actually use for myself is my favorite psalm. It is weeping may endure for a night, but joy mm-hmm. comes in the morning. It is Psalms mm-hmm. 35. And I heard this when I was in middle school and I probably was going through uh, one of the hardest times in my life in middle school. And since then, it kind of is something where I understand, you know, it's going to rain. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to deal with some things in life that are tough because it's going to keep happening. But it's all about how you deal with it. It's all about how you get back up from it because you're going to get knocked down. But it's all about if you get back up or if you stay down. So just keep going regardless of what, you know, is going on. Keep going. Keep pushing because you are leaving your legacy. Nobody else can leave your legacy but you. So if you want something for yourself and you want the people around you to be able to remember you forever, you got to keep going. So that would be my word of advice. Yeah, that was a word, sis. That was a whole word. <laughs> I felt that. And that's real. Because many times we fall down, but we get right back on up. Ain't that what the I song say? Right. Amen. I don't know copyright infringement here. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but you are, I mean, absolutely a jewel. I just... You know, can't wait to see what happens with your life. Just this new into your journey, being in Houston and being an entrepreneur and just really just evolving as a person. So again, just shout out to you for all of that. And to those of you who have listened and connected, if you check these show notes, we have our contact information so that you can just reach out directly, make a friend, you know, Please. hire for cater, buy a book, all that stuff. And I'm serious. We're going to get a couple of books from Evangeline Worldwide and sponsor them for some folks who want them. So we'll do a giveaway with you, um, collaborate because, you know, I'm here for it. And again, just want to thank you for your work. Thank you for showing up and being yourself, no matter what that has been like and no matter how hard it has been, because somebody needs to see you and know you. And um, I said, I'm for real. When we come out to Houston, we have to do a first gen collabo. And, you know, I'm for real about this. Do a dinner okay. party. Maybe that's the event. Maybe that's what I've been waiting on to do a, something with all the first gen, all first gen vendors, because I'm really particularly about my people. But um, for this work, again, I just want to thank you for being here. Wish you nothing but the best luck that all the, you know, that all the lies ahead. And we got your back here in the lounge. So keep I doing what you do. Thank chef. you. Yes, yeah, chef. Yes, yeah, chef. Look, you're so very welcome. That's beautiful, though. That's quite the title. I hope you're on Food Network soon, too. So I'm like, I know her. Listen, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> hey, I believe you'll get that. You have enough faith that you the kind of person I'm gonna look up and it ain't gonna be here before you on there remember <laughs> when so we said it first in the first gym lounge yes there you go come on Phil. all right to neighbor look take care of yourself we'll catch you around thank you you too